0: A start on demand. on demand.
1: If you're a full-time worker, how'd you like to have a four-day work week? A trial in Iceland has been deemed an overwhelming success, and it has once again started the debate on what's better a four or a five day work week we spent a lot of time tuesday talking about problems that manitobans are having getting the immunization card yesterday the province responded with a bit of a workaround so we'll give you the update on that and folkorama announced tuesday that it is returning but it's going to be a virtual event this year so that got us talking about festivals what is your favorite what's the best festival you've ever been to in winnipeg I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's on vacation. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, July 7th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNab is off this week. The special air quality statement that was in effect for Winnipeg has ended regarding that smoke. It is still in effect for other parts north of Winnipeg uh, in southeastern Manitoba. But Greg, uh, what your eyes are showing you and what my nose is telling me is that it's still smoky out there.
0: Yeah. The sun has an orange or reddish glow to it. Kevin sending us a picture earlier. And so that forced me to head back outside and back in the, uh, in the basement today, by the way, I'm not outside. Mm. Just figured I would, uh, hunker down, down here because the, the smoke was bothering me yesterday. As it turned out, I didn't realize until later in the day, I had a scratchy throat and feel better this morning. But, uh, Yeah, and one of our listeners, Robert, says, I have to say that I was walking for coffee. I looked up to your building at Portage and Main, and you can see a lot of smoke around the top of the building. So that smoke advisory may be off for today, but as Kayla Evans mentioned, in her weather, that doesn't mean smoke isn't going to be a factor today. And Brett, you say uh, this is really... just wreaking havoc with your allergies.
1: Yeah, it just kind of exploded at around four forty-five. I went outside for a minute and uh, came back upstairs and just immediately started sneezing and one and my right eye. Is kind of itchy, so I popped an antihistamine and then I had to pop another one. So now I've got the antihistamine fog, uh, which, is, which
0: could be fun, you know. <laughs> so We'll see how that goes. <laughs> you mean for us? Yeah. On the other side of it, listening to you, interacting with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. I'm a little hopped up it. right now, so.
0: <laughs> but yeah, for that's Gary's more... <laughs> hopped up on goofballs. Stand by, everyone. Could be an interesting Wednesday. <laughs> goofballs. How old is that saying, do you think? I don't know. That's from a, that's from a movie. And I can't remember which one I heard it first or, or a TV show. Do you, do you know the pop culture origin of that one?
1: I'm trying to look that up because yeah, I remember that. I see that, uh, looks like there
0: are some songs on this, uh. Hepped up on goofballs, eh? I think that was, was that the saying from the day? Was it hepped, hepped up? up? Hepped up on goofballs. Simpsons archived Homer becomes hooked on the wacky tabacky.
1: Okay. High yeah. as a kite, everybody, goofballs, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I don't know. Mm. If you know 204-780-6868. is it from a movie or is it just Simpsons? I don't know, but yeah, that's a good term. I like those kind of those that's... those sayings that that continue to uh, stand the test of time. Or, or you, it's always fun to dig out something old like that.
0: Glad to uh, be the old guy in the room.
2: I'm not can, uh, saying that. Come on now. Floor.
0: I know, I know, I know. I just, <laughs> you know, self self-deprecation goes a long way.
1: <laughs> also, today we are going to talk about what's happening in Iceland, a four-day work week. The headline at globalnews.ca, Iceland's four-day work week deemed an overwhelming success after trial. So you can read more there, and we've linked that to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. But once again, the discussion on uh, whether or not a four-day work week is, should become the norm, it's gaining steam around the world.
0: All I care about... <laughs> can I be selfish for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. All I care about, would this apply to us? Because I could really use... Uh, a change in the work schedule. Uh, I don't want to complain because I love what I do, but a four-day work week last week was fantastic. We went three days, we had a day off, and then we came back for Friday. And I can't believe the difference versus this week. It's only Wednesday today. This time last week, we were, it was fake Friday. Yeah. So, you know, I could get behind this concept, and I'm only halfway joking, but a four-day work week, I think works for a lot of people. And we've mentioned it before. It doesn't work for everyone because, you know, there are certain services that need to be provided 24-7, 365, but if they could make it work on some level, I think it would be great if you speak to police officers, firefighters, some nurses, they've been doing the the four-day work week for a long time, granted longer work hours on those four days, and that's been the trade off but is this like a 32 hour work week then brett
1: 36 so they moved, they went from they went from a 40 hour work week to a 36 hour work week so their their days are longer a little bit longer monday to thursday but not the end of the world and uh, that's something that that i mean it, our, as you pointed out uh, as far as it goes with our job we don't really have a traditional schedule like we don't punch a clock per se you know i might walk out the door at 1030. I get, I show up around four, four fifteen. I walk out at 1030, but my day isn't finished. Your day isn't finished. It's just sort of, we just press pause and then we can sort of consistently revisit through the day. You know, we're having conversations through the day or we're answering emails or we're making phone calls or whatever. Like, we never really turn it off. We just sort of press pause. So I don't think it would, to answer your question, Greg, I don't think it would work for us. But I, too, would be oh, well. would be happy to have Fridays off.
0: Yeah, Fridays off would be fantastic. Anyway, we'll discuss this a little bit more. What do you think? Is this something uh, whose time has come? Because let's face it, I, I read a great article, and I'll have to dig it up before we get into this wholeheartedly, just the whole idea that really we, we subsidize our employers to, to such a great extent with the amount of time that we spend in our vehicles commuting, commuting, every single day. And if you could eliminate one commute, one, two, and one, uh, trip home every week, think about the amount of time that that would save on its own and the different breaks that you take and the, the amount of, uh, you know, break time that you get on your work days. If you could take that, you know, if you get a traditional, either a 30 or a one hour lunch break, a couple coffee breaks, and then your two commutes, one, two, and one home, Think about the, the time that you're saving there as well. Time that's that's really your own, but it's involved in your workday to a great extent. Last month we began reporting on the troubles some Manitobans were having trying to register for their secure immunization card, which confirms full immunization against COVID-19 following receipt of a second dose. At the time, the province said an increase in the number of people asking for their immunization records was leading to delays for some. And we heard loud and clear from many of you yesterday that this is an issue for a fair number of Manitobans. So now that online form is available, as is the phone number, which we will repeat for you here it's 1 844 MAN for MAN vac v-a-c-c i don't know it's not xx but they didn't ask me one eight four four man vac and we also have the link here so if you want it uh, reach out via text message at 204-780-6868 or uh, brett or i can uh, send it to you via email
1: now the province stressed those who haven't first tried to register for an immunization card and encountered problems don't need to fill out the form or call the number. Those looking to register for the card for the first time need to visit the province's website to create an account and enter the required information. The province also says work is underway to set up a phone line for people wanting to request an immunization card. says those details will be announced soon. Sidebar on that. Can't believe that there isn't a phone number. Like, not everybody has access to the Internet. So uh, they just it just seems like they're a few steps behind here. People are asked to wait at least three days after receiving their vaccination before making inquiries about their records, as it can take that long for the information to be uploaded into the system.
0: Yeah. So uh, needless to say, hopefully this rectifies some of these issues a little more quickly. I agree with you, Brett. Uh, why wasn't a phone number in place weeks ago when this system was rolled out? I, I mean, to imagine that uh, the government believes everyone has access uh, to online services, I, I think is a, a little naive. But anyway, they're, they're, they're trying to rectify that and, and hopefully sooner than later. And if you need a link to the form, as I mentioned, just send us an email, gmac, gmac, at cgob.com or brett at cgob.com. And that phone number one more time, 1 manvac, M-A-N-V-A-C-C.
1: And one of our listeners, Danny, she made such a great point yesterday when she emailed us saying, when so much hinges on being able to prove that i am vaccinated the fact that i can't get my immunization card because my first dose isn't accessible it's not recorded that's uh, that's a huge problem so hopefully they can clean this up quickly and uh, we can get people those cards so they can flash them just like like i got mine in my hand right now i'm just pulling it out of the wallet tapping it on the table yeah Strange times. This is what I'm excited about. I'm holding a vaccination card. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week, and we're going to talk about that four-day work week in a moment that Jeff Braun just referenced in his newscast. But before that, Greg, just a follow-up thought on we were talking about immunization cards. We talked about it yesterday, problems getting the cards, and now how the province has created a workaround and uh Kristen sent us a really happy text
0: yeah she said i got my immuni- immunization qr code on sunday and i'm pretty pumped a group of us are celebrating with a ladies' steak night friday and someone who lives as someone who lives alone i am moved by the thought of just to be able to eat with people again. Kristen, thanks for sharing that with us. I know you're not alone in that sentiment. Congratulations on that. And I hope you have a great time Friday night. And thanks to everyone who's reached out asking for a link to that form. And that form, once again, this is not a new procedure. I just want to clarify. This has to do with individuals who are having difficulty acquiring that vaccination card and you're looking for some answers. So happy to send you that link. But once again, it is not a new procedure. This is just a a way to hopefully uh, help you speed up the process in getting your two vaccinations recognized, uh, thusly allowing you to apply for and successfully, as Brett McGarry has done, receive your vaccination slash immunization card. So uh, feel free to reach out. We're happy to help. Now, for those just tuning in, if you missed Jeff Braun's newscast, Greg,
1: there is an intriguing headline at CJOB.com.
0: Yes, it says this, Iceland's four-day workweek deemed an overwhelming success... After a trial.
1: And if you want to get news on Iceland, where else would you turn but Charlotte, North Carolina? (laughs) Of course, Brad. I was looking, scouring the internet for a story on this, and this is the only one I could find in terms of uh, playing some audio. But this is a solid breakdown from Jamie
3: Bowl at WBTV in Charlotte. There's now proof that people who have a shorter work week are happier, healthier, and more productive. The findings come from the largest ever trial looking into this. So we have three things to know about what they discovered. Thing one is where this research was done. This took place in Iceland, a long period of time here, too. It happened from 2015 to 2019. There were two trials here. One of them involved more than 2,500 people. The other involved 440. Together, they made up more than 1% of Iceland's workforce, so a big sample size here. Now, workers were moved from the traditional 40-hour work week to 35- or 36-hour work week, so four days a week for nine hours each day. Their pay did not change, and these people worked in all sorts of different professions. There were teachers, social service providers, medical staff, and office workers. Thing two is what happened. Regardless of the time of day they worked or the setting they worked in, the results were positive. Positivity either stayed the same or it went up. Well-being went up. Stress and burnout went down. Health and work-life balance went up. So now what? That is thing three. Four-day work weeks are becoming more common in Iceland now. The report says that about 86% of the entire country's workforce is now either working shorter hours or has the right to work shorter hours. The researchers say this should serve as a roadmap for maybe other governments to look into shortening work weeks.
0: So, GMAC, what do you think? I did not realize that this study was four years long. And uh, Jamie Bull put it into perspective there, and it included 1% of the, of the working population in Iceland. So that is a huge, huge trial. And... Boy, oh boy, I think it's pretty difficult to imagine that we all wouldn't have the same benefits that were outlined in that report in terms of reduced stress, uh, happiness in the workplace, and productivity. It's really just an hour a day more than, you know, the traditional workday. And I think we could, most of us argue that 40-hour work weeks are really 44 or 45 or maybe even longer work weeks, when you include the commute, when you include all the extra time you spend on your phone, answering the phone, when you're on your way home, when you're on your way to work, when you're at home and your own time, emails and phone calls uh, from work, depending on what you do. I I think this is something that we really need to investigate and seriously take a look at. And Hopefully, we don't get the pushback of, well, I had to work a 40-hour work week, and so should everyone else henceforth.
1: <laughs> Plus, too, a lot of operations, and like I realized, not everybody is a full-time Monday to Friday kind of employee. But a lot of operations will have a mixed bag, right, of full-time workers and part-time workers. So I think if you suddenly have a whole bunch of full-timers who are have a day off, but the job still needs to be done, then that creates further employment opportunities for part-timers who might want to snag some more hours or work some more hours of course that would create some additional cost for employers like if they're if they're not cutting the pay but they're creating this 4-day work week but the work still needs to be done i guess that would increase the cost but in terms of the the well-being uh the factor i think that's impossible to argue with i mean who wouldn't want Another day off if they could afford to do it. Right. If you can afford, if you don't lose the pay or even if you did lose the pay, like some people might might say, you know what I would take for a four day work week, I'd take a bit of a pay cut.
0: Would you take a pay cut? I think I would consider it. uh, You'd have to really lay it out for me and prove to me that I I didn't deserve to keep all the pay that I was getting. (laughs) You'd have to reverse engineer that conversation for me uh, as opposed to it being the other way around in terms of me having to justify why I think you should uh, keep paying me what you're paying me for the amount of work that I put in. But that aside, you know, I I think there are a lot of people. I know people who buy extra holidays uh, if it's allowed at their work. Place it's something that's been around uh, for a long time, especially in the teaching profession, or not the teaching profession, but uh, in in the government world in the government setting. So there are some uh, there are some unique ways to go about getting time off and uh, and to even improving your production while you're at work I think that study said that as well that production in a lot of cases even went up and that's what they saw in Japan when they studied this as well
1: yeah that's right and I could I can understand why production went up because sometimes that 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 full work week can just sort of wear you down and uh, I mean there's a reason why (laughs) the term phone it in Friday exists right (laughs) It's, it's Friday let's just get through the day I'm phoning it in Mackling and McGarry McNabb is on vacation this week. We have our daily hockey report coming up with Paul Edmonds at 6.54. So that for the next five minutes, we want to chat about festivals because we learned yesterday that Folklorama... Is back. You won't need your passport to travel around the world this summer. It's Folklorama is going to host its festivities virtually this year with the one unified virtual experience. So you can read more on that at cjob.com. It's happening Friday, August 6th to Sunday, August 8th. And we want to know what is the best festival you've ever been to in Winnipeg and specifically Winnipeg because tomorrow we've got our small town salute so we're going to talk festivals out of Winnipeg tomorrow today let's keep it inside the perimeter and let's go around the horn here Jeff Braun why don't we start with you
4: festivals give me anxiety Brett I mean it's usually <laughs> like oh <laughs> you like paper clips <laughs> here's 500 hours worth of seminars about paper clips crammed into two days and you, you got to like choose which ones you want to go to. So uh, I always used to want to go to the Fringe Festival, but there's like, well, it's 150 plays or whatever it is. It's too much. But what one time I did go to a play at the Fringe Festival, and um, I don't want to sound glib about it, but an actor on stage had a medical emergency. And the play was halted and it was confusing to the audience. And they were like, this isn't part of the play. Is there a doctor here? And five people ran forward and we all had to clear out to make room for the paramedics. It was just, it was quite the, quite the ordeal. And that's the one time I went to the Fringe Festival. So I should probably try and, you know, try again and hopefully have a better result. And the actor turned out to be okay in the end. So it was good.
2: How brilliant would it be if, if it, if that was all the play,
4: that was the whole play.
2: If that was like, that was the whole like artistic rendition. It was like, <laughs> this is what we're going to do to people. And this is like our artistic message that we're going to involve exactly. the audience.
4: I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm going to show
2: We you. only wrote 15 <laughs>
4: minutes of a play. Then we're going to fake a medical emergency and keep all the Genius.
2: money. The <laughs> Genius.
4: Uh, Greg, what about you?
0: Does anybody remember Taste of Manitoba? Yep, goes back to the late '80s and '90s. It was an incredible festival at Memorial Park. All the different restaurants would have would have booths all around the outside of Memorial Park, and it was a great way to taste. I, th- I didn't think typically we had fifty to sixty restaurants involved. It was fantastic. A great way to spend a summer weekend i think we would start thursday night and go through until sunday and let me tell you there was no better shift than hanging out at taste of manitoba the tips weren't very good but the uh, extra food that you could snag from the other vendors was pretty sweet so taste of manitoba I, I would love to see them bring that back
1: that's a great one wow good good pull on that greg i forgot about taste of manitoba jeff uh, forte what about you
0: You know, I'm a little ashamed because I haven't gone to very many festivals at all.
4: You know, like I've been to um, Festival de Voyageur, but besides that, I haven't been to very many. I've been looking at the city's website, or
0: Tourism Winnipeg, and there's so many that I'd love to get to. And uh, once COVID's over, you know what,
5: I I don't care because a lot of the time my friends would be too busy to go or... And I never want to go alone, but you know what now I'm at an age and you know I've been locked up for so long that I'm ready to get out.
4: I'm ready to go to some festivals and uh, learn more culture I need more culture in my life.
1: well, sometimes too, if you do if you go to things by yourself, you
4: meet
5: people
1: well, you meet people a, but if like if you go with say a group of friends and you can't decide on what what you want to do, you might get hosed out of the thing you want to participate in. so
0: just go on your
4: own and yeah, and that's what I'm gonna do uh, so many things, so many things. I'm looking here, but a lot of them says canceled, and,
2: which
1: yeah. is really
4: sad. So, uh,
1: well, hopefully soon we'll get we'll get to see some of these get back to normal. Cam Poitras, what about you? Well,
2: in 2019, I said I'm becoming festival cam. I'm going to start <laughs> living my life in Winnipeg festivals, and uh, of course, that was totally derailed for this so year and fault. next year. Yeah, it was all me. I I asked the universe for this, and it just. Like, I made this, I was like, that's it. You know, next year, 2020, I'm going to go to these festivals. I love the Fringe Fest. I love live theater. I'm going to do that. Um, you know, I'd only ever been to one pavilion ever, the Portuguese Pavilion at Folklorama. I'm going to start experiencing that because people do it all the time. and People from, come from all over the world to do it. And, um, yeah, and then <laughs> and then this is the reality of their situation. So Festival Cam will uh, will remain dormant until he explodes onto the world in 2022.
1: And for me, it would be, I think, Edge Fest. You remember that concert?
0: Of course, absolutely. One of our listeners texted in oh, yeah? right away. Edge Fest!
1: Yes. I, I can't remember what year it was. It would have been, it was in the late 90s, and this was back at the old, I guess it was just Winnipeg Stadium at the time. And there were so many, they had two stages. They had the smaller one off yep. to the left, and then the the... The, of course, the main stage, and they would alternate between. So you'd have a band like a Conline Crush uh, played on the left, and I loved that, and then I Mother Earth played on the bigger stage. I can't remember the headliner for this particular show. but it the
0: Green Day? was it Oh, Green yeah, Day that was 98? Green Day.
1: Yes, Green Day. That was the year. Uh, but I remember this specific moment, I Mother Earth... Uh, was playing, and I I had fallen back uh, to the back of the crowd, but when the song Levitate came on, I just said, that's it, I got to get back up with my buddy. So I basically bounced like a pogo stick through the crowd and just (laughs) like shoving people out of the way and got to the front so I could bounce around with my friends. So that was great. So tell us about your favorite Winnipeg festival. If you have a story associated with it, you have a chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza $20 gift certificate. We'll give that away just after 9.15. Mackling and McGarry, I just want to say to Ken, because I I made the reference to phone it in Friday earlier. And he's, (laughs) I, I, I don't know if he's correcting me He's saying mail it in Friday, Brett. And I've heard that too. But phone it in Friday just makes more sense from a, you know, from a sound perspective, does it not?
0: Yeah, it it absolutely does. I can go with either. All I know is I'm lobbying for phone it in or mail it in Thursdays if we go to a four-day work week.
1: (laughs) We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about your favorite Winnipeg festivals. And we want to keep it in Winnipeg because tomorrow, in conjunction with our small-town salute, we'll go out of Winnipeg. But we're talking about festivals because we learned yesterday Folklorama is going to be back with some virtual entertainment this year. And uh, Greg Sandy with a little bit of a blast from the past
0: here. Indeed. Yeah. Hubby and I used to love... I love that, Hubby. Hubby and I used to love going to black Awesome tunes, food, and bevvies. Love the outfits everyone wore. Such a chill vibe since then. We started to buy uh, Puta Mayo CDs with Jamaican and world music. Nothing like listening to Bob Marley, Sunday mornings, making a brekkie. uh, And... Sandy also remembers and totally misses taste of Manitoba. That's beside the point. Black Arama, Carapag Fest, all those different festivals from the late 80s and the 90s were such a great time. My stepdad is from the Caribbean. So Jimmy Cliff and Bob Marley and uh, reggae music, a uh, big part of my life growing up. And so it was always fantastic to participate and to attend those events and to hear those those incredible songs, uh, from Sounds of the Caribbean, performed live. So uh, Blast from the Past, keep filling our text line with your favorite current and or past festivals that took place inside the Perimeter Highway today. Uh, uh, some pizza on the line, McGarry.
1: Dan is texting us, Flatlanders, as in, as in the Flatlanders Beer Festival. That was a, mm. that was fun when they had that. I think it, it used to be at the convention centre, and then they moved it to what is now Canada Life Center And uh, then there is also the local one, the Winnipeg Beer Festival that happens at uh, Fort Gibraltar. They couldn't do it last year, but I believe they're hoping to fire that one up in September. I think it usually happens in August, but I, I think they're aiming for September. That's also a good time if you like local beer. And it's just a cool place to hang out for anything, really. So keep those texts coming, 204-780-6868, your favorite Winnipeg-based festival could be a week-long thing could be a one-day thing could be sort of an ongoing theme like even something like all these food weeks we have i would consider burger week a festival 204-780-6868 banana fest hey those who know know 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868, we're asking you for your favorite Winnipeg-based festivals. I can't elaborate any further on, on that one. But those who know, know. I have no idea what you're talking no, about. No, Brett. of course not. Yeah. It's been 20 years since I attended one. <clears throat> um, also, we got to give you a heads up that Premier Brian Pallister is speaking today.
0: Greg, what's on the agenda? 11 o'clock, and it has not been confirmed, but I suspect, uh, Brett, that we'll carry this live on 680 CJOB. The topic is COVID-19 vaccine initiatives update. So that's this morning at 11 o'clock. We expect to hear, well, we will hear from Premier Brian Pallister uh, this morning. Uh, Stick to 680 CJOB. As I said, we haven't confirmed it yet with our news masters, but (laughs) I suspect that we will be carrying that live as we have been... uh, for uh, 16 months now, whenever the premier addresses the province as it pertains to COVID-19.
1: And before we talk some hockey, uh, we just one more text here, Greg, you mentioned that Amanda had a really good one on a Winnipeg-based festival.
0: Yeah, Folklorama, hands down, longest running cultural festival in the world. So sad they had to miss last year. And of course, we'll be doing the same this year. Amanda says she loves sampling all the foods from around the world and the occasional imported Beverage as well. They always put on a great show, and you never know what talent you'll see. Once I saw Sierra Noble at the Irish Pavilion, Love and Miss Them All. She also went on to mention schmocky night. And <laughs> when you talk about those who know, no Uh I responded to Amanda, I said schmocky night. Who ever imagined broomball? be so entertaining
1: (laughs) keep those texts coming 204-780-6868 your favorite winnipeg-based festivals for a chance to win a 20 dollars gift certificate for santa lucia pizza and don't worry if you want to talk about festivals outside of winnipeg just holster that sidearm for today we're going to discuss that tomorrow tonight in tampa meanwhile Tampa, Florida, the Stanley Cup will be on standby as the Lightning take their second shot at clinching their second North American Ice Hockey League
0: championship in a row. Carey Price and the rest of the Montreal Canadiens declared their intention to not go out with a whimper, Brett, as they force game five with an overtime win in Montreal on Monday night. Leah Hextall joins us now to take a look at tonight's game. Good morning, Leah.
6: Good morning, gentlemen. I'm just sitting here and I think my new career could be in storm tracking because I have been watching Tropical Storm Elsa that is about to hit Florida this morning. Uh, Good news is is that they say it's not going to likely become a hurricane. So we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, we'll have to take a a close look at that. A a lightning storm probably on the horizon. But before Uh. we go any further, Leah... It was one of the worst kept secrets in these parts for some time, but I believe this is our first visit since the official announcement that you're joining ESPN and their NHL coverage team as a play-by-play announcer. First of all, congratulations. And has it all sunk in yet?
6: Well, thank you so much. Um, You know, it is starting to sink in. It's been a bit of a whirlwind ever since it became officially official, and it was announced last week. There's been um, quite a few interview requests and all that type of jazz, but it's thrilling, and I'm happy to do it. And I'm, you know, I have to say I'm I'm truly excited for the fall and to be able to get into the play-by-play booth on a regular basis with, you know, that little network known as ESPN.
1: What does this mean for us here in Manitoba? Are you moving? Are you, are you leaving us?
6: I am not leaving Manitoba. I am going to remain here in the beautiful Prairie Province and commute from here and see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to give it a whirl. There's going to be a lot of travel involved, but I'm going to wait and see. And uh, for right now, I'm staying put, boys, so you're not done with me yet.
0: Oh, thank goodness. That is great news and uh, very good news for your Air Miles and your Sky Miles account too as well. I <laughs> you <suspect>. got it. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's get to the matter at hand tonight. Canadians attempt to take the next step in the almost impossible to come back from 3-0. As you told us yesterday in Hextall and Hockey only four times has a team come back from 3-0. Why should anyone believe this team could become the fifth?
6: I really think, Greg, it's because nothing has been easy for the Montreal Canadiens in this playoff. And every time they have been counted out, they have managed to find a way to win. And I know that it's not a three to zero deficit for Montreal in the Toronto series, but they did come back against Toronto when they were down three to one. Now, by no means are the Tampa Bay Lightning the Toronto Maple Leafs. Tampa Bay is by far the most complete team, the most talented team within the National Hockey League. But why I bring in the Toronto series is because it shows that this group on the Canadians has the mental muscle and the mental sandpaper to get that done. And I think what's important to note, what we saw in Game 4 was the Montreal Canadiens going back to that stylistic play that perhaps they'd really lost. They were much more in the paint. They were in the crease of Andre Vasilevsky. They were getting into the scrums after the whistles right in front of him, making sure that they took away his eyes, which they had done all playoffs, but really straight away from in this Tampa series. And also, you saw the physicality, especially led by Shea Weber. Instead of trying to out. Skill and keep up with Tampa. They were just rubbing the guys out along the boards and they need to continue to do that and play that style in order to be successful again tonight.
1: Now on the other side of the coin, why should we expect the lightning to fulfill the wishes of mayor Jane Castor and win the cup <laughs> at home since uh, Chicago in 2015?
6: Isn't she a beauty, eh? Um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> that still makes me laugh. You know, here it is. The, Tampa Bay Lightning have been in this exact same situation before when they won the Cup last year. They didn't close it out against Dallas when they had an opportunity to, but they came back and did the next game. This happens to a lot of teams, but Tampa also has that experience. As I mentioned, this team is so strong, and they are playing so well. And, you know, they're led by, you know, Kucherov and then Vasilevsky, and that'll be a toss-up for the Smythe, I believe. But I you know Montreal's going to be in very tough tonight especially you know who knows with the storm if it's going to be a full rank but i expect it to be and it's it's going to be difficult to defeat Tampa not just because it's another chance for them to clinch but there hasn't been a lot of teams and i don't actually know actually i'm going to say no they haven't been beat twice in a row in these playoffs so to do that for the first time it's going to be a very difficult task
0: well, I hate to go back to 1990, but I'm going to real quick. The Jets didn't lose a game, two games in a row, or more than two games in a row all season, and then lost three in a row to Edmonton in round one of that Smythe Division uh, semifinal. But that's ancient history and and uh, clearly I'm a wound. I still have yet to heal, Hextall. <laughs>
6: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) We appreciate you very much, Leah. Once again, congratulations on your call up to the uh, next level of of hockey broadcasting. We're super proud of you and uh, glad to know that uh, we're not rid of you quite yet. Not
6: yet. And thank you so much, guys. And enjoy the game tonight.
1: Greg, some excitement for fans Of Valor FC.
0: We've been seeing this all across North America, around the world, fans in the stands. Of course, there were 500 fans in the stands for games one and two of the of the Jets' playoff run in their North Division final against Montreal. We've seen 2,500, then 3,500 fans at games in Montreal, and I have the TV on Wimbledon right now, an absolutely full stadium there. We've been seeing it around the world, and Abigail Turner is standing outside IG Field, home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Canadian Premier League bubble, where tonight... For the first time in many, many moons, there will be fans in the stands at that facility. Good morning, Abigail.
7: Hey, good morning, guys.
0: So what's going on there? I mean, uh, you're a little early. I, I, I hope you brought <laughs> lots of provisions. Game time isn't until 9 o'clock tonight.
7: Yeah, it's a little bit quiet here right now, but you're right. In a couple of hours, it's going to look a lot different here at IG Field. 2,000 fans going to be welcome back into the stands really for the first time since the beginning of the pandemic. But the key factor here being you must be fully vaccinated for at least two weeks since that last dose. And you actually have to prove it as well. So that's either that QR code on your smartphone or if you are lucky enough to have gotten one of those in the mail. I think they're taking a little bit longer for some folks. uh, The physical immunization card, you can use that as well.
1: Yeah, we heard yesterday some people are waiting up to four weeks were As It took me just over two weeks. I think it was 15 days on the dot. How does the seating work? Like uh, if you go with somebody, are you allowed to sit immediately beside them or is everybody going to be spaced?
7: Well, it's going to be seated in pods, so you'll be physically distanced from other groups from which you bought those tickets from. But if you bought tickets in pairs, uh, that'll be uh, essentially a pod. Um, Something else to note is there's similar rules for alcohol uh, like what we're seeing in restaurants right now. So if you want to go and maybe uh, buy a beer, you need to grab some food with it as well.
0: Abigail, are there still tickets available or have all the available tickets been sold already? Do you know?
7: I actually, around, I don't know, 5 a.m. this morning, I went on Ticketmaster and I counted each one of those little blue dots on Ticketmaster just to see how many are available. <laughs> I got up to the 400 mark and I thought, okay, like my, my eyes are going to be blurry if I keep going. So there's still some available.
1: <laughs> all right. Global's Abigail Turner joining us live from IG Field Thank you, Abigail.
7: Thanks, guys.
1: Yeah, you know, this is exciting. The, the, the idea of being able to go to watch a, a live soccer match at IG Field. I'm, I, you know me, Greg. I'm not a, a huge sports guy. I enjoy sports for the camaraderie, right? So it doesn't really matter what sport I'm watching, whether it's hockey, football, soccer, just being around people. You know, we heard Kristen text us earlier talking about how she's getting ready for her ladies steak night because just the thought of being able to eat with friends again is uh, overwhelming to her. And uh, yeah, being able to celebrate whether if you love the game great, even if you don't love it, just going to a game and being and hearing the sounds of cheers in a stadium kind of gives me goosebumps just thinking about it.
0: I can't disagree with you on that front, Brett. I would disagree with you as to why I go to football and and hockey games (laughs) altogether. But I've mentioned when it comes to baseball, you and I are on the same page and there's nothing better than going to a baseball game. They call it America's Pastime for a reason because I've been to, I don't know, 30 plus Major League Baseball games. I cannot tell you the final score of any one of those games. The final score in most cases did not matter, at least to me It was meeting people. It was the food. It was the atmosphere. It was just being out on a beautiful summer's day and what a perfect night for for soccer in Winnipeg. And this bubble obviously has been uh, working very well for the CPL. Congratulations to the Winnipeg Football Club, Valor FC, everyone involved in this and now to be able to have fans in the stands. It's just uh, another demarcation point on this road back to whatever uh, normal looks like uh, post-pandemic. So this is this, this is really exciting in my mind as well.
1: Yeah, and it's a big day for soccer too, right? I mean, yesterday we had Italy moving on to the Euro 2020 final, defeating Spain in penalty kicks. And really a sad little kick too. Did you see how that match ended?
0: Oh, it was a brilliant kick. The confidence to pull that off. He kind of did a little hop and skip. And uh, it was it was cheeky, no doubt. Just kind of hit it off his uh, heel and into the uh, right side of the goal, the goal he had. He had no the, the keeper had no chance on that. So uh, keeper, funny. I was trying to think of that word earlier
1: and I couldn't. There it is, keeper.
0: <laughs> I I think it's funny how uh, how two people who uh, are so similar can see things completely different. You you saw it as a what a weak kick it and a no, no, but I, well,
1: I I didn't mean that the kick was weak. It just to to I I would I, I guess maybe bad phrasing. I felt bad for the goalie to oh for the keeper to see this little just dribbly kick go past him. I thought, oh, man, he must feel so bad.
0: Enormous skill involved in pulling that off in the post game, They were talking about the hours and the thousands of shots and the thousands or hundreds of times you would have had to practice that in order to pull that out of your kit bag. At such a crucial time, with the soccer world watching, yeah, that that's that's a pretty uh, <clears throat> bold move. If you know where I'm going with that, on the part of uh, <laughs> I can't remember the Italian player's name, but that was that was uh, that was amazing. And people, a lot of people don't like penalty kicks. I, I don't know if there's anything more exciting in, in soccer than the penalty kick. Because let's face it, the other ninety minutes can be pretty boring
1: yeah and then today is going to be a big one too england taking on denmark at two o'clock so i know pubs are going to be jammed i'm sure a lot of places were jammed yesterday with italian fans and today the pubs will be packed as well i imagine and uh, then the final finals on
0: sunday right for the euro that's right yeah sunday uh, from wembley stadium in in london so uh, if england makes its way through beating denmark today italy england and winnipeg oh my goodness uh you might have to uh divide the city in half somehow (laughs) it's
1: gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun this weekend if england makes it through today Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. Question of the day at CJOB.com brought to you by CreditAid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit CreditAid.ca, call 204 987 6890. A four day work week trial in Iceland is being hailed as an overwhelming success. Would you prefer a four day work week? Yes or no? So you can vote at CJOB.com where 74% say yes, 26% say no. We've also put it on our Instagram, and it's almost, uh, it looks like 95% there say yes, uh, with just five saying no and on Twitter, it's uh, 90% yes. So we got a lot of feedback as well on this, Greg, at 204
0: yeah. Lots of great texts. Uh, Lolita, uh, bringing me back to, uh, my days in the restaurant business, business. She says, this is about the four or five day working days. Some people do need the five days just to keep up with bills and rent. They can't afford to lose that one day. Everyone has different issues. Definitely keep the five days. And that's a really great point. If you're working by the hour, Brett, mm-hmm. as opposed to on salary, that might pose a little bit of a different issue. I'd have to dig into that, that issue or pardon me, that, uh, that uh, survey and that research that they did in Iceland a little bit deeper to, to see how they manage that. And I was, it reminded me of the days of working split shifts. You know, you talk about the benefit of saving time by only working four days a week in terms of your commute and the, and the time getting ready for work and the expense of getting ready for work, et cetera, clean clothing, that sort of thing. Split shifts, my gosh, you had to get ready for work twice in one day yeah. and the amount of wasted time on those days was immeasurable.
1: Yeah, when I used to we used to have a split shift at CJOB sometimes where uh, you'd do the morning sports and the afternoon sports. So I'd get to when I would fill in for Bob Irving or Kelly Moore, I think I'd get to work at around 3:30 because the first sports cast was at 5:25 and then the last one was at 8:25 and then uh thankfully i didn't have to do the, the 1225 when you were on the split somebody else would do that i am pretty sure that's how it worked and uh, but then you'd have to come back and do the afternoon run Uh that, that with the first cast was at 425 525 and i guess 625 and that that's like there's some i know brian barkley traffic guy yep. he did that forever and he sure. he was able to stay awake all the way through but when i did those fill in shifts i'd just go home sleep and get up and go at, and go back to work for the afternoon run. I hated this split.
0: Yeah, that was a long day filling in for Brian Barkley back in the days, how Brian did it all those years. I'll, I'll never know. So I tip my hat to him. Uh, we had some great, uh, text messages about this. As, uh, many years ago, I worked for a company in BC. We worked a nine day fortnight. We worked our two week 80 hours in nine days instead of 10. Received every second Friday off. We only had to work an extra 40 minutes a day and shorten our lunch break from 60 to 40 minutes. It was fabulous. Every second weekend was a long weekend. It cut down absences for the employer and cre- increased morale in the workplace. Loved it. That's, Thank you, Darlene.
1: Yeah. Th- and we realized that this particular possibility does not work for everybody. But for those where it could work, I, I really think it would benefit companies to at least take a look at it. I mean, look at, and it, you know, if it was successful in Europe, don't they already have other things like nap
0: time built into, the, into their work day? Well, siesta is almost mandatory in some places on the planet. Now that doesn't mean you have to sleep, but working in the middle of the day, I mean, just go back a couple of weeks when we were pushing 40, degrees and working in the middle of the day. I know that some places were modifying the way they work, start a little bit early, maybe take a break and then work later into the evening. No question about it. And speaking of the sun and working in the hot sun, Kevin, the garbage man summarizes the whole idea of a four day work week this way. Anyone who thinks that a four day work week is a bad idea should be shot into the (laughs) sun. (laughs) Just fire them into the sun. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ah, Kevin the garbage man Thank you very much for that So make sure you cast your vote at cjob.com And as well if you want to weigh in Shoot us a text at 204-780-6868 Or you can email us Mackling at cjob.com Or brett at cjob.com And if you want to read more about this trial That happened in Iceland It's linked to our 680 CJOB Instagram story Where you can find it there Or just go to cjob.com And you will find it Mackling and McGarry, it's your last chance to get in on today's contest for the $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza. We are asking you to tell us about your favorite, the best festival you've ever attended in Winnipeg. If you tell us a story about it, chance to win that gift card in our next segment. So be ready for that. Also... Uh, Todd, with a traffic note, I missed this in Justine's uh, traffic report. I'm not sure if she had it, so apologies if this is redundant. But Todd texted a few minutes ago to say that northbound Route 90, crash in the middle lane near where Academy connects up. So heads up for that. In our next half hour, we're talking tennis. Christian O'Mell, host of the CJOB Sports Show. Greg, do you happen, I'm ambushing you with this, but do you happen to have an update on
0: Shapovalov? Yeah 5-5 five, five in the third set they're on serve uh Shapovalov had had uh, uh, Kamenov, uh down in a situation where he had two break points uh, in the, I think it was a sixth game. They were, they were 3-3 at the, at the time. Would have been a real turning point. So they're 5-5 right now, Shapovalov, serving, looking to stay on serve. It could be a very long set, uh, heading maybe towards a tiebreaker here in the third set. One set apiece at Wimbledon on court one in uh, Canada's first uh, quarterfinal match of the day. As we begin a
1: slow return to some of our usual activities, one organization is asking you to consider a donation, a potentially life-saving donation.
0: Canadian Blood Services is calling for an additional 23,000 blood donors across Canada by July 31st to replenish the blood inventory following a sustained rise in demand as COVID-19 restrictions ease. As most provinces begin to phase in their reopening plans, there will be a corresponding increase in demand for blood products above pre-COVID-19 levels as hospitals ramp up surgical procedures that were put on hold. There are other factors which could put a strain on the country's blood supply. To find out about those, Territory Manager for Canadian Blood Services is Steve Raisin. Steve joins us now. How are you, Steve?
5: Terrific. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, you're more than welcome. This is obviously a, a huge issue and we're glad to, to help uh, give you a platform to, to ask folks to step up uh, the potential for an up, unperfect storm here uh, or imperfect storm. If we're using proper language, we uh, mentioned the pending ramp up of long delayed surgeries in the medical system. What other factors could be at play and end up putting a strain on our blood supply?
5: Well, certainly as uh, restrictions start to lift and donors are getting out and enjoying the summer, um, there are, is a chance for more missed appointments or cancelled appointments, and those typically are quite hard to fill. In general, summer is a more challenging time just to get donors out because they're out enjoying uh, the lovely weather, but we are encouraging donors to book their appointments now if they can. For
1: those who have never given blood, can you just walk us through the process? Like, what, how, do, how does it work?
5: Yeah, it's a very straightforward process. Uh, first to note is that under our COVID-19 uh, policy that we do require a booked appointment. So you need to book an appointment and you can book that appointment at blood.ca with our Give Blood app or call 1-888-2-donate. Uh, when donors arrive at our... Donor center at 777 William Avenue across from the Health Science Center or one of our mobile donation events. Uh, We're going to greet them, ask them to read some COVID questions. Uh, Then we're going to take their temperature and provide them one of our surgical masks uh, before they enter the facility. Uh, Once they're in, uh, they will have uh, done so before they arrived or when they do arrive. Complete a health and lifestyle questionnaire. They then meet with one of our screeners, and then from there, um, if everything's good, they move to the uh, donation bed. And it takes, on an average, about you know, ten to twelve minutes for most folks to give their donation. And then after that, we ask them to uh, rest in our chairs for a few minutes. We, we used to have snacks uh, uh, available for eating inside the donor centers, but because of COVID, we're asking them to take those snacks and go. Steve.
0: I wanted to donate blood once upon a time, but I fell into a category that made me ineligible. Uh, I, I had received a blood transfusion back in the early '70s, several of them, in fact. So it made me ineligible. Has that changed? And 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 who cannot donate blood in Canada?
5: that's a you know a bit of a tricky question um i I don't know if that exact policy has changed what i can tell you is that donors can check their eligibility on blood.ca we have an eligibility quiz and the abcs of eligibility which addresses everything from you know transfusions to uh other travel deferrals for example where people may not be able to donate uh for those reasons or donors can always call one to donate to speak with one of our nurses and uh They can ask about uh, any questions they might have about their eligibility or if they're on medications, if those medications are eligible. But of course, the final eligibility is determined when you do come out.
1: So how did COVID-19 kind of affect your normal operations? I know it turned everything upside down. So how did it turn your world upside down?
5: Well, certainly with a lot of changes that we've had at our donor centre, you know, enhanced wellness measure, measures, enhanced cleaning measures, as I mentioned about, you know, the the masking and temperature checking at, at our donor centres. Um, but I think one of the larger changes was requiring donors to have booked appointments. And uh, we also reduced the number of appointments that were available just to ensure that we had proper physical distancing. Now, I'd really like to just give a big shout out and a thank you uh, to all the donors who did come out throughout COVID. Um, uh, our uh, blood supply was well maintained um, by just the generosity and commitment of those donors. However, you know, as you had mentioned at the, uh, the, the top of uh, the piece is that um, as restrictions are lifting, demand is rising, and therefore we're asking new and returned donors to um, come out if they can.
0: All right, before we let you go here, Steve, one more time, how do I make an appointment here in Winnipeg?
5: Yeah, you can make your appointment at blood.ca, use our GiveBlood app and call one to donate And if I can, I'd just like to add that we are in need of O-negative donors. Those are the donors who can donate to everybody, um, and they're always in high demand. So we're encouraging anyone who may be O-negative to come out to donate. If you don't know your blood type, the easiest way to find out is by coming out to donate, and we'll let you know after you're done.
1: All right. Well, hey, Steve, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate this important message. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on holidays this week. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start, and we've been talking about festivals, Winnipeg festivals. Yesterday we learned that Folklorama, going virtual this year, going to be back on in August, and uh, that inspired a conversation today and one we're going to have tomorrow as well. We're going to go outside of Winnipeg to learn where your favourite festival is out of Winnipeg, but today we kept it in Winnipeg and we got some good stuff here, Greg, I like this one from Bre- from Brenda had us both kind of scratch on our heads a little bit.
0: Yes, I guess this goes back in the vault. Ross, if you're listening this morning, uh, my dad will probably remember this, as a young teen from West St. Paul get-together was the most exciting day-night out. A hippy-dippy street festival on Portage Avenue, from main street to the ledge groovy it was in the (laughs) early seventies it might have been called get together 70 i'd tell you a longer story but i have a flip phone and there's no time and that had me thinking about some of the other festivals brett buffalo days was a a thing in saint james back in the day and of course before it was the red river x it was called manosphere and did really? you go to that Amanda Marshall concert at Portage in Maine back in the early 2000s when they shut down Portage Avenue for that downtown festival?
1: Oh, no. Oh, that's right. They shut down Portage. Yes. I I, I wasn't at that concert, but I did. I think I just kind of wandered through that festival probably when I was on my way to work uh, because I had to take a bus to downtown and then make my way to a second bus to get to Polo Park but of course every bus i needed was on Portage so mm. i guess i got out and just walked through the festival until i could find the detour spot but yeah that was that was fun i i was skeptical about that when that was first announced i thought that's stupid but that's that I, i'm ashamed that that was my reaction it, it turned out to be pretty neat yeah it was
0: a neat way to see the city for sure uh amanda those are winner today yes yes Amanda is the winner. Why don't you read it? Okay, well, Folklorama, hands down, says Amanda. Longest running cultural festival in the world. So sad they had to miss last year, as they will this year. Love sampling all the foods from around the world and the occasional imported beverage. They always put on a great show, and you never know what talent you'll see. I once saw... Sierra Noble at the Irish Pavilion. Love and miss them all. We are so lucky to have so many selfless people who spend their time making all our great festivals a success. Amanda, that really uh, highlights uh, how critical volunteers are to these things and uh, hundreds upon hundreds of volunteers to make Folklorama work every night. And then Amanda... Uh, to just to put emphasis and exclamation point on her win. Schmocky night was great too. OMG, I'm forgetting the fringe. How can a person decide?
1: And I love how she pointed out as well the occasional imported beverages too, because there are things that you can get in a folklorama pavilion that you can't get anywhere in Manitoba. Sometimes sometimes they'll order like special beers, for example, at the LC that are Folklorama themed, but sometimes you can only get it there. Like I remember going to the Russian pavilion one year and tried a couple of their beers and they had one that was just wonderful. And I asked them, I, I said, "Where can I buy this somewhere? And they said, no, you can only get it here. We got a special permit to bring this in for Folklorama. So sometimes if you want to taste that culture, the only place you can do it is at Folklorama. Ackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation this week. And GMAC, what a big day in sports. The Stanley Cup could be awarded tonight in Florida, the second of two semifinals if the Euro goes this afternoon, in the Euro goes this afternoon. And at Wimbledon, two Canadian men contributing to and chasing history.
0: Sorry, I set you up there with that typo. I apologize. I don't like to do that.
1: Well, it's not. I I just straight Ron burgundy did. Just It's not your fault.
0: No, it sort of is. I apologize, (laughs) Brett. And uh, you pointed out a tweet, uh, and we'll bring in our next guest in just a moment here. You pointed out a tweet, uh, retweeted by our own Skylar Peters from Dave Naylor. It appears, and I'm going to use the word appears because this has not been confirmed by Dave Naylor. What's that? Uh, Do you see this urgent thing that's just come across? Uh, I did not uh, see it now. Go ahead. Read it. The CFL
1: says partnership talks with the XFL have been jointly halted. In March, the CFL and XFL announced they were poised to begin serious talks about a potential partnership. Uh, neither side said who initiated talks first, only that they'd agreed to collaborating on ways to grow football. And CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosie said in a statement today, Our talks with the XFL, exploring the potential for collaboration and innovation, have been positive and constructive. While we remain open to finding new ways to work together in the future, we and our XFL counterparts have jointly decided to not pursue any formal arrangements at this time.
0: If I had a giant book on my desk right now, I would slam it shut and put it away, (laughs) never to be looked at again. Host of the 680 CJB Sports Show joins us now to give us an update on the first quarterfinal match featuring Canadian Dennis Shapovalov, that taking place at Wimbledon. I'm pretty sure I jinxed uh, Shapo, uh, Christian, when I mentioned a possible tiebreaker in the third set and then really nailed it when I mentioned that they were on serve at five games apiece. What's going on?
8: Well, Shapovalov lost the third set, Greg, 7-5. It was uh, a set in which he had three break opportunities, did not convert any of them, and his opponent, Karen Hachinov, was just better in the big moments. Uh, Shapo was a couple break points early in the fourth set right now in this, his second-ever Grand Slam quarterfinal. He also made the quarters at the U.S. Open last fall. Remember how weird that well, and Shapo does get the break here, so he's now up 3-1 in the fourth. But remember how weird the U.S. Open was with no fans in the stands? and how strange the atmosphere was. That's not the case at Wimbledon. They have upped it to full capacity in their crowds for the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the finals. So it's a very different atmosphere. It's awesome to see as Chapo tries to get to his first Grand Slam semifinal. Only five Canadians have ever made a Grand Slam single semifinal. So he's trying to join that list today. Felix oje Aliasim later trying to join that list as well. He plays the seventh seed, Matteo Berrettini, about 20 minutes after the Shapovalov match is over on court number one.
1: And how do you like his chances in that?
8: (sighs) He's the underdog for sure. Uh, He he is the lower seed. He's the 16th seed. Matteo Bertini is the 7th seed. Uh, In the Shapovalov match, he's the 10th seed. His opponent's 25th. So Chapo, I guess, would be the slight favorite, though. Both men, all four of these men, really everybody except Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer are all doing something that, they haven't really done before which is make their quarterfinal debut at Wimbledon so the other two Djokovic and Federer have made 30 Wimbledon quarterfinal appearances so there's obviously the the next gen versus the old guard and really it's it's a great opportunity for either of the Canadian guys to make the semifinal because they don't have to play Djokovic or Federer in the quarters. Uh, they'd probably have to play in the semifinal. Djokovic well ahead in his uh, quarterfinal match. But I think OJ seems is, is the underdog. Berrettini has been playing super well on grass. He's kind of waiting for a big breakthrough for him. And I would favor Berrettini. But, hey, you never know. It's a, In the best of five, crazy things can happen. So he's got a chance for sure. But I think he would be the underdog here.
0: No, as I say, that's why they play the game. And so... You know, I I understand and I can appreciate that tennis can be a little bit of a fringe sport for some. It's very popular with those that like it. Mm. And uh, certainly during the, the major tennis events, casual fans will tune in, in particular when there are stories of interest, whether it be. Uh, someone going after a Grand Slam record or Serena Williams playing her sister or... there, I mean, there's a, a variety of different matchups that that are compelling. But here in Canada, I wanted to ask you, because this is something that we've been tracking probably for a decade now. The popularity of this sport and Canada, all of a sudden... It, world power maybe not the way to go but we're certainly as a country producing more than our fair share of tennis players uh, that are competing at the highest level fair to say christian
8: oh 100 percent. when i was growing up watching tennis there was never a canadian to to watch right daniel nestor in doubles was a was a force but that's about it right in terms of singles play until milos roundage came along there really wasn't anybody having regular success at grand slams and in the last decade, we've seen Raonic, we've seen Eugenie Bouchard, you've seen Bianca Andreescu, we've seen uh, Philip Pelwo, who won two junior titles but didn't really do anything in the pros, or, the yeah, in the pro ranks, the men's ranks, I guess. But you're seeing these up-and-comers, the expectations, right? Shapovalov and OJ Aliasim are names we've heard for a while. They were part of the, the junior singles final in 2016 at Wimbledon. They're 22 and turning 21, respectively. They're still super-duper young. We have these expectations on them. That's how things have changed now, where we get to see them in this deep stage, and we kind of think, "Ah, dang, it would be nice if they won. We Actually, it's nice that we do get to see them at this stage, because for decades and decades, it never happened. So surely Tennis Canada deserves credit because they've done a great job developing young talent. There are others on the way there's a lot of financial investment in tennis now in this country like we've never seen before. And if you're watching the tennis, you're seeing Bianca Andreescu basically in every other advertisement because she's getting – she won a major, right? I know it's been a bit, but she has won a major, and she's the only Canadian to do it in singles play. So she's still kind of the the one, I guess, until there's another one that breaks through. And in the men's game, until Djokovic calls it a career – he's going to probably be favored in every major he plays.
1: Now, Christian, you're one of the most active guys I think I've I've ever met. Not only are you passionate about following sports, but playing them as well. So just in your travels as you get out there, like is tennis one of the games that you like to play?
8: I do. I haven't played it this year uh, because mainly uh, there's a pandemic and I, I'm stuck indoors, but okay. also I have a, a back injury that I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about playing tennis again. But I, I certainly do quite enjoy playing tennis. I'm not very good. Uh, I'm like a Milos it's very light version where I can serve kind of well and not much else. So I I do quite enjoy playing it. Uh, our former colleague Nolan Cole and I would play last summer a few times, and he would he beat me, and then I beat him, and I was feeling good about myself whenever I win, and I get very frustrated when I lose because. I hate losing even though I never practice and I have no business being upset that I'm missing <laughs> shots because I never play. What are you, what are you doing, dude? It's like golf, you know, you play twice a year and you're mad when you miss. It's like, well, dude, you never play. What's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> it's easy. Well, to- if you want to, ever- oh, sorry, Brett. I was just going to say before the Milos uh, references uh, are irrelevant. If you ever want to play. Against a guy who plays like Milos, you can play me anytime. And I'm not pl- talking <laughs> Roenich, I'm talking about the guy from Seinfeld, <laughs> oh. Milos
8: you can play me Milo's. anytime
0: and beat up on me you bet isn't of amazing what? Milos.
8: isn't it amazing that we have a tennis star named Milos after that seinfeld episode like 15 years later how awesome is
1: that well and i'm pretty sure you got to use that clip a lot in your sports <laughs> yes. casts oh yeah and uh but you know when when it comes to playing tennis in in winnipeg one of the reasons i was asking do you play is when i was younger and enjoyed playing tennis I often found it hard to find like mm. a a, a well kept place mm. to play. Fair enough. Is that? Uh, but I haven't looked for a tennis court in years. So what what's it like out there right now? If you want to uh, play tennis,
8: well, they resurfaced the courts on Wellington Crescent near the, the the train bridge there in St James, and they are really nice now. There's three courts there. The one I usually played at uh, over the last couple of years was on Silver. Uh, just east of or just west of Polo Park there's a couple courts there mm-hmm. that are in pretty good shape these aren't and they're not asphalt they're like kind of like the hard top surface so they're, they're pretty good those are the two I've played at there's down on the Citiboyne um was it Crescent is it Boulevard I forget what it is but it's it on the river there there's a couple courts that are all, almost always in use whenever I bike past those are always in use so people are out there playing there's some decent courts uh down at Uh, Norwood as well there's I mean there there are options to play and there's also bubbles right where like on Taylor you have to pay to go into those but you just need a a friend you need uh, some balls and a racket and you can go find a place to play it's a it's a nice way to to you know burn some calories it can be very frustrating because it's hard to be good and keep the ball in play if you want to play at actually any higher level but uh, certainly, it's definitely, from all I've talked with uh, Mark Arndt as well, of Tennis Manitoba, the popularity has been rising over the past 10 years, especially due to the success that we've seen of Canadians at the highest level of tennis.
0: Yeah, you know, that was a great question, Brett. And uh, I would say, just based anecdotally, that the level and the, uh, and the availability of better courts over the last several years is actually unmatched. Uh, because uh, for a long, long time, public courts in Winnipeg were absolutely brutal. I would say in the last five to ten years, they become much better. It, what's going on in this fourth set here, uh, Christian? We get an update before we let you sure. run? So
8: Denis Chapovalov is cruising in the fourth set. He's up 5-1. I will say, in his last quarterfinal uh, at the U.S. Open against Pablo Carreño Busta, Shapo won the first set, lost the second and third, won the fourth six love, and then lost the fifth, six three. So we're kind of looking at that same pathway to get to a fifth set in this one. Hopefully, it goes a little bit better than it did for him in New York in the fall.
1: And so, what was that last name that you just said?
8: Uh, Karenio Busta. Uh, two okay. two words. I see that Easy tennis names have say. not gotten
1: any easier to read. Like just no, look at the, is it, it's Dennis Shapovalov, right? Dennis yeah, or Shapovalov? Okay, Dennis. Dennis Denis. Oh, I was wondering if it was Denis. Uh, so uh, we got Dennis Shapovalov, Karen Hachenov. Did I yeah, say him. that right? Okay. Yeah. Félix, au oh, j'ai... Aliasim. Aliasim, I heard you say it 16 times. I still blew it. Yeah. And then Matteo Berrettini, and I'm not even going to try the last one. I used to hate reading mm. tennis stories in sports. I casts. love it.
8: <laughs> I have a passion for nailing names like Martin Fucevic playing Djokovic right now and Hubert Hurkacz who's facing Federer later today.
1: <laughs> boy, Christian O'Mell. Thanks, man. CJ will be sports show host, 6.30 to 9. And uh, by the way, and in honor of Christian, I just need to play this.
2: Another game for Milo!
0: that's the only way i would beat christian is if he laid down like jerry did for me
7: hey
3: thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple
1: podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think